By now, you've all heard of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, the latest book published by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. It's more than just another wine book. The fully updated second edition was inspired by students of the Vinitali International Academy and painstakingly reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. The benchmark producer's feature is a particularly important aspect of this revised edition. The selection makes it easier for our readers to get their hands on a bottle of wine that truly represents a particular grape or region. To pick up a copy, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. For all the super wine geeks out there, we have a special new series dedicated to you. We are reading excerpts from our new edition of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0. Wine lovers, tune in for your weekly fix only on Italian Wine Podcast. If you want to own a copy of this new must-read Italian wine textbook, just go to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. The myth of wine and the origin of viticulture in the West. Do we still need meats? Or can science and philosophy explain everything? Perhaps they help us to understand that things are more complex than we think they are. Myth plays a fundamental role in the ancient Greek tradition and culture. The narratives were not limited to a mere description of fantastic tales but took on real pedagogical purposes. Mythology was included within the paideia approach to education, which also included gymnastics, grammar, rhetoric, music, mathematics, geography, natural history, and philosophy. Mythology cannot be considered in isolation, but must also be interpreted alongside archaeological and historical evidence. From myth, Taking an interdisciplinary approach, hypothesis supported by scientifically valid data can be advanced. From the Trojan War, the great legend of the return journey, Nostoi, begins. With the narratives of the challenges that the heroes of war face returning to their homeland. Perhaps these narratives are typical of the diaspora of the Mycenaean Minoan civilization, who, after the destruction of Thera, Santorini, had settled on the western shores of the Mediterranean Sea. The mythological tale of the first exploration of the Mediterranean, told in fictional form and charged with symbolism, was the driving force behind all the subsequent migrations from Greece to the west, which led to the founding of Magna Grecia. According to classical tradition, Thrace was the homeland of Dionysus and so of wine. This primogenitor played an important role in the history of wine, both in Greece and Magna Grecia and Sicily, as well as in the spread of certain grape varieties and the types of wines that were imitated. These can be inferred from the countless literary sources, including the Iliad, where it is reported that Agamemnon offers the Achaean leaders under the walls of Troy wine from Thrace, specifically from the city of Nisso. In the Odyssey, 
The red wine that Odysseus offers to Polyphemus is a wine that comes from Ismaro, a locality in Thrace. An ancient wine named Biblino was an object of Phoenician trade and identified in classical times with the polio of Syracuse. The beginning, at least in literary terms, of the viticultural history of the Mediterranean West is contained in Canto Ninth of the Odyssey, where the description of the island of Cyclops and Polyphemus getting drunk, it is understood that there were two viticultural regions in the Mediterranean. While located in its eastern part, which produced strong and dark wines, like the wine from Ismara, which gets Polyphemus drunk because it was not used to such alcoholic wines, and another represented by the island of Cyclops, where the people plant nothing with their own hands nor plow, but all these things spring up from them without sowing or plowing, wheat and barley and vines, which bear the rich clusters of wine, and the rain of Zeus gives them increase from the Odyssey. This clearly describes the characteristics of wild grapes subjected to primitive cultivation. Homer's account is therefore an important document. The first, in chronological terms, for understanding how the myth of wine and the subsequent cultivation of Greek vines spread across the Mediterranean. The role played by the sagas of the founding heroes and their return voyages in the Greek colonization of the Mediterranean also takes on the value of a metaphor, that of the coexistence, sometimes in juxtaposition, of the two models of viticulture that have survived to this day in many parts of Italy. In fact, the expression of very different cultures, which use quite distinct grape varieties and forms of cultivation to produce wines, are still easily distinguishable in Italy today. Ancient varietal circulation an anthropological hypothesis. The origin of vines is important and a symbolic factor in how we think about the wine of a particular area. Myth ultimately becomes the methodological tool for conceptualizing the problem, as it allows the story of a group of people to be transferred into the present time in a tangible way. For a given type of wine, the myth of origin or domestication makes it possible to explain the genesis, evolution, and originality of production. The contributions of historical anthropology contribute significantly to the understanding of the relationships between the spread of new viticultural techniques and the economic and social structures of an ancient population. It is a journey into European and Near Eastern civilization where mythological imagery combines physical place with symbolic space and the name of wine and place become vehicles for calling other images to mind. Just think of the evocative power of Chios, the island where man planted the first vine, or Erea, a place in Arcadia where vine, wine excited man and made women fertile. The history of viticulture is ultimately a history of wine consumption, of habits, first mental, then elementary, or ritual. The cultivation of a grape variety or a cultivation technique, on the other hand, reflects a system of representations of the world that connects them in depth to more elaborate mental formulations, to an unconscious of myth and religion.
The juxtaposition of culture and materiality, masterfully described by the French anthropologist Claude Lévi-Strauss, defines the relationship between the material manifestations of human life and the context of the techniques that underlie the production of goods. This relationship punctuates the chronology of events that mark the introduction of new methods into ancient wine production, improving productivity, the new vines, winemaking, the wine press to complement the palmento, transportation using tarred amphorae instead of leather wineskins, storability, pine and terebinth resins, and withering. The imagination that defines every culture consists of a set of characteristics that transcend the limit imposed by the data of experience and the conclusions drawn from them. Imagination is a dimension of curiosity about horizons far away in time and space, of restlessness and anguish inspired by the unknowns of the future, of attention to dreams and questions about death. Myth and imagination coincide in the Greek world. In the voyages of Odysseus and those of Euboean imitators, the power of the imaginary contributed to other men, not Greek but barbarian, sharing the evocative power of wine. One can imagine that the Homeric task reflects the production of a wine in the places mentioned in the Epos of the Odyssey and the Tyrrhenian coast, the Gulf of Naples, Aeolian Islands, and northeastern Sicily. A part of Lucania and Apulia was already called land of wine, or rather land of vine steaks, Enotria, showing that wine production in these areas existed prior to the founding of the cities featured in the Greek epics. The name Enotria, the Greek settlers called southern Italy following to their first landings in the 8th century BC, referred to the use of a wooden stake to support the vegetation of the vine, oinotron, meaning vine pole. This testified to an original mode of cultivation compared to that prevalent in the places they had left, in which the vine was left to crawl along the ground. Italian Wine Podcast, part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp family. The innovation of oriental forms of farming and the new vines brought to Italy by the settlers represent a genuine revolution with distinct characteristics involving both productive and social transformation. It was a slow but continuous process of change, as it generally the case in agricultural and demographic revolutions. Toward the end of the 12th century BC, the Mycenaean civilization collapsed. The colonial movement of the Greeks to the West arose from poverty and hunger in those regions, caused by the demographic pressure brought by the Persians and accompanied by a scarcity of land and famine caused by a lack of grain. Greek had a chronic shortage of grain, which became more pronounced during the so-called Greek Middle Ages. There was also the need for raw materials for industry, iron above all, and a search for new commercial outlets for Greece's staple products, oil, wine, and ceramics. The apoikia, which in Greek means the relocation of a community from one place to another, 
implies the abandonment of one's home and defies the birth of numerous Greek colonies in the West. It can be distinguished from the term emporion, which refers to a protocol or a trading colony. To these two developments is added a third, that of a chora, which refers to the territory surrounding the colony, which will determine the nature and productive purpose of the colony itself. Although there is a commercial and political relationship between Apoikia and Emporion, there are cases of so-called landless cities in which trade was the only resource as they had no hinterland capable of supporting their inhabitants. Naples, according to Strabo, the Greek geographer, philosopher, and historian, and Adria and Spina of the Po Delta fell into this category. These ancient settlers carried with them on their journey a handful of dried grapes and a handful of their native soil, the ember of the sacred fire they had drawn on the Acropolis of their mother city in the hope of lighting a fresh earth somewhere in the new world. In Italy at this time, the Etruscan civilization was experiencing exceptional growth thanks to the exploitation of the metals of Elba, Tolfa, and Alumier. Trade was largely in the hands of the Phoenicians, who had taken full advantage of their settlement in the immense Assyrian Empire. An artistic style known as Orientalizing was destined for great commercial success, as well as emblematic wines such as Biblino, textiles, armor, and pottery. There have traditionally been three routes of entry of wine culture and those of grape varieties grown in Western Europe. The oldest, established in 2300 BC, was from Egypt through Crete, from the Gulf of Alexandretta to Cyprus. The second, from the 8th to the 2nd century BC, was from southern Italy, Phocian colonies in France, Spain, and the Upper Adriatic. Finally, from land via the routes that have connected since the Neolithic period, the east to the west, that coincide with the present border lines between Italy and Slovenia and between Durs and Brindisi along the Via Ignazia. Trans-Balkan circulation via the land and water routes of the river courses was another alternative to the Mediterranean Sea routes used for the transfer of large numbers of people, for the employment opportunities of artisans, and to avoid the risk of pirates. The Danube represents the real backbone of the Balkan transportation system, along which several major European capitals developed and from which two routes started, one to the northwest leading through Vienna and Berlin, and another to the east leading to Bucharest and Odessa. The network of routes thickens along these routes, onto which the Belgrade and Istanbul Road and the Sarajevo Road were grafted. The Via Ignazia holds special significance for the varietal circulation of vines, as it is connected to Italy, via Durs and Thessaloniki, via Istanbul and Transcaucasia.
Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.